The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to the Port Fan Radio I Network. This is Rick Newenhoven and tonight's Big Footy podcast is again powered by New Vision. And I have joining me is our fan favourite, Janus. How are you going? I wouldn't say fan favourite, but I'm going okay. Controversial Janus, maybe? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyway, I won't do the uh, the fisting or the anus jokes tonight, seeing they might be wearing a bit thin with people. But uh, And hopefully my technical skills are also up to uh, scratch Janus and, uh, and people can actually hear us. Fingers crossed, but I'm sure... Um, I'm sure people will let us know if we're just talking to ourselves, which um, isn't a bad thing because me and you love talking footy. So how are you? Yeah, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, yeah? Yeah. I um, sprained my wrist skateboarding the other day. <laughs> Trying really? to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit hard working and stuff, but that's all right. You're not a, you're we'll not a rapper on the side as well, are you? No. <laughs> no. But it's for those few people that don't mind watching Married at First Sight as well. So, um, yeah, we're, there's oh. the, uh, there's Dean, the uh, troublesome fella who uh, skateboards, raps, and likes to hit on other people's chicks. And uh, and welcome Portia, who's in the chat room and listening in. So uh, we've got one person listening and saying our audio is even. So that's amazing. So... Just very quickly, Jonas, you were, I saw you at the uh, at the Family Day game, and that's been and gone, and we've we've already had the first trial game. But what are your observations, uh, briefly so far, of what you've seen of the of Port Adelaide in the in the trial and the uh, and the first JLT game? Um, the Family Day game was a bit hard to see what it is because you got two sides that both know each other so they knew exactly what the other team was trying to do so it was going to be really scrappy so it was too pretty hard to actually like get anything from that but in terms of the JLT game oh what the one thing I did get from that is that our defense has gone up another level this year in my opinion mm-hmm. and um that's what I got from the JLT one game against West Coast like that first quarter I watched it again and Literally, West Coast could only score from dumb luck plays or things that we mistakes that we made. And when I say mistakes, it's like 50 meter penalties and stupid stuff that people have done. Nothing to do with the actual like breakdown in the system. So yeah, no, I was really impressed. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, and it's a it's a glass half full perspective. I guess the downside was though that our attacking prowess probably wasn't lifted from last season, which we were hoping to see, but um, it's still early days, I guess. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, do, you yeah have no, a, that... do you have a bolter for this season? Do you, do you have a smoky that's going to come out from the blue? I'm hoping Todd Marshall. Todd Marshall? Yep. Yeah. I just think, I'm thinking, think 2007, Justin Westhoff, that type of season. That would be. I think that would work pretty well. Yeah, I guess I, I just. I'm just curious about the the number of tools we can take into the side, especially seeing where Richmond took the game last year. And uh, yeah, so it, we're going to have to be very cleverly structured, I think, especially on our def- defensive zone when teams are coming out from our forward fifty, because uh, otherwise, I think we could get the run around pretty easy. Porsche thinks. Uh, that you might be believing in unicorns or either that or she's, <laughs> she's believing in your unicorns. All I see no, is that... a, a picture of a unicorn. So look, uh... a unicorn is like, yeah. Well, look, the reason why I think Todd Marshall is because he's got, as Ken Hinckley said last year, he's got AFL speed, you know, like he, he's a tall, but he can close down on people and still add forward pressure and all the stuff you want from a small, you mm-hmm. know, I believe that. I, I don't know who said that, I think it might have someone on the forum did. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but that that's what he's like. You know, he does that 
and has can add that to the forward line without sacrificing the height as well. So, but you're right. You need to like still have pressure's the number one thing. So if mm. you can't do that, then you know don't play him. But that's why I said I hope it's going to be him. I hope he can do that, but he might not be able to. I think the optimist in me is that he seems to be leading and and taking a few marks, and he definitely showed that at Family Day. So uh, I think that's exciting for us. Yeah, so if he can yeah. cu- couple that pressure with the, you know, with some aerial prowess, I think that will be amazing. And I guess, yeah, Westhoff, his probably his weakness has been the fans thinking his lack of effort mm-hmm. at time uh, at times, and him sort of drifting in and out of games. Um, yeah, and Portia just said she thinks we might not want to go overboard mimicking Richmond, and I agree. Like, I, I, you know, if you've got the good tools and they're there, and so if you've got, you know, if you've got um, Dixon and and Marshall and and Westhoff and and Watts, yeah. I mean, as long as you, as long as we're not overloading uh, the side to our detriment, because yeah, you but, think the history of football has been tall players should actually dominate small players, um, yeah, I guess, but that's been in a history of one on ones. And now we're now we're getting these clusters, so I guess maybe the cluster maybe is overriding uh, the tall player advantage, perhaps. I think the difference is that it's all right to play if like heaps of talls, but they've got to be different. They've got to be a different type of player, and they have to be like you can only play like one power forward, and you can only play one athletic lead up forward, right? So anybody else that you're going to put into the forward line has to be different from that. And I think Todd could be that because he's got that speed and he's got that, you know, he can still be a pressure forward type thing, but just be tall, you know, like kind of like your tall midfielder type thing, same sort of story. Like if you had a chance to have one player that was small or one player that's tall, you'd like pick the tall player every single time if they had Mm -hmm. the same skills, you know what I mean? So, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. So you're right about Todd with his like lead up and stuff. That's exactly that's exactly what you need. You know, you want someone who's a combination of Dixon and Watts, basically. You know, the guy who can take a contested mark but still lead up as well. I mean, it's testament in a way for Aaron Sanderlands that he's been able to stay in the game through this transitioning period over the last few years. Because oh yeah, he's not yeah. versatile. He's slow. And uh, but he's been able to hold his place. I mean, I was just about to crack a joke saying, um, you know, wouldn't it be great to see a game style where you've got a uh, Justin Madden, uh, Fabian DeLuca type ruckman able to run around and play the game? But we still do in Aaron yeah. Sandlin. So I guess the advantage with him is he's like eight foot tall. So yeah, uh, but it's it's a pretty rare um, uh, breed these days. But I thought what we'd quickly do is just go through. Um, the round one of the the series so far, just very briefly, we won't go in a war and peace over it, and mm-hmm. uh, and just see if there's anything we can take away. So the first game, Kangaroos lost to Melbourne, 124 to 71. Um, I guess that was probably to be expected. We're not expecting much from North Melbourne this year, I'd imagine. No. 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 Nothing. Nothing not, else to say here. Not. Not really well, much from my okay. part. Okay. Okay. Just that. I don't expect much from Brad. Is it Brad Scott who coaches North Melbourne? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I don't expect much from him, and I don't expect much from their list because they're rebuilding. But they need to get rid of him. Is there any? I know Portia. Um, she's a big Melbourne fan. Is there anything we want to talk about, Portia? Uh, Portia Melbourne. While she's listening in. Um, <laughs> I don't really know too many players and I don't really care about Melbourne that much. And I think she's a bit of a turncoat having Melbourne still as their number two, number two team. And she should really just get on the port bandwagon full bore. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, look, I guess kicking 124 is a good score. So, uh, no, they'll be good. They, maybe they'll be pushing the top eight again. And uh, do you think that Melbourne could be a top four charts? Uh, yeah, anything's possible, mm. but, you know, I think probably it might be a bridge too far, especially since they haven't made finals yet at all. You know, like you got to be really consistent across the whole season, and they just aren't. Mm. 
Yeah, we'll soon see. I mean, it would be invigorating for the game, I guess, if... Uh... Uh, let's face it, they're a Melbourne club and we all hate them, so who gives a shit? Um, I well, guess... let's just say, yeah. I, I'm just going to interject there. If Melbourne made top four, you can almost guarantee that the AFL will try and make them win the flag. Oh, yeah. That's the pins, that's... The pins <laughs> would be flowing everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, and, oh, here and, it is, another fairy tale. And Norwood yeah. supporters will have a reason to bring out their uh, scarves in uh, around Adelaide. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and what we our Melbourne supporting friend listening is saying depends how much they can get away with in the midfield, um, but yes, yeah, there's not much difference to Melbourne. Plus, they've got that rat bag Simon Goodwin. We don't want to see him successful at all. Essendon got absolutely walloped by Richmond, so Richmond's coming out firing thirty-seven to one hundred and twenty-four. Um, so uh, yeah, so again, I guess reasonably predictable. Maybe Essendon not being so insipid. But um, but I thought the interesting one was the Crows really got pushed by Frio and Frio really stunk it up in the last couple of minutes to lose that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like Richmond, Fremantle, all these teams, they're going to be playing that same sort of manic pressure defence because that's what it's going to be this year. Mm. It's all about pressure, the yeah. whole thing. Like, you know, so... And we saw what the Crows did against Richmond who are the premiers, they just completely capitulated. So, of course, they're going to do exactly the same thing to Fremantle. Mm. Mm. You know, I think it's a... I mean, they didn't have Sloan, though, did they? So, you know... Yeah, don't, I don't know. Don't really <laughs> care. Don't, don't care. Yeah, well, there you go. But, well, they yeah. might not have Sloan at the end of the year for the rest of the, yeah. for the rest of his career. Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Yeah. And right. we... Us, the power, as we've spoken about already, um, lost by two points to the Eagles. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we just couldn't kick enough of a score. I, I agree that our defence looked pretty good, even though I was a bit worried about our kicking from defence. I didn't think there was any uh, creativity there. I don't know if we're not showing anything. We're keeping our hands close to ourselves. But um, And hello, Windy Runner. For, thanks for joining the chat. Um, but yeah, did you see something different to me? I was really disappointed with our kick-in structure, to be honest. Uh, I didn't see anything particularly different. Um, generally, don't they go to um, one side because that's where their rucks are on the other side? Like, imagine Sandy lands on the other side of the wing, mm. and you're kicking it to him. He's going to kick. He's going to mark it every time, isn't he? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And people don't really kick down to the down the corridor these days because that's where it's really the strongest the defense is. So you're always you're basically forced to kick to the same area all the time. Yeah, but I guess we've got a um, we've got some some good tall marking players in our side. You know, we've got obviously Dixon that could push forward West off, but we had Watts playing. Um, you know, and there's probably a few others I'm not thinking of at the moment. So you know, even Brad Ebert plays tall for a midfielder. Um, yeah, he could have been a, a third tall coming in, and but we didn't really look at trying to vary up our strategy to try and um, get through the the kick in situation or deep from their defence. We just seemed to bomb it long and then just see what happens. But anyway, we won't. We've already everyone's spoken about it, so we'll, we also yeah. had Carlton knocking off St Kilda uh, again. I don't know. I don't really. I've been probably two mid side table teams. Probably Carlton being near the bottom, but. Uh, St Kilda, who knows, maybe 12 to 6, potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, GWS uh, over Collingwood, that was a slaughter, 60 points. And I noticed, what, Toby Green just signed a six-year deal with the Giants this year as well. Is that right? Yep, $1 million a year plus and worth every single penny. He's a real... Yeah, pay him a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. My favourite player from GWS... Well, I just As love not, his fieriness. Good old-fashioned footballer. Yeah. Old-time footballer. That little attitude, he just wants to win. Yeah. You know, so he's that sort of player and he'll do whatever it takes to win and that's yeah. what you want. And it's good to see some players showing loyalty to the original club that drafted him as well. I mean, obviously, a million dollars can buy a lot of loyalty, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's they've set, they've had a lot of drain, both of those new franchises, so... Uh, to have a few players uh, recommit and have a caliber player like Toby commit, I think is a, a good thing for them and the competition. Um, 
Western Bulldogs. This was like the former Port Adelaide Cup, wasn't it? The Western Bulldogs of ja- Jackson Trengove <laughs> versus the uh, the former Port Hawthorne of uh, uh, Pelton, who's no longer there, I don't think. Alistair Clarkson, uh, whoever, whatever, Andrew Russell, and now Jarman Impey and uh, Sean Burgoyne, and I'm sure there's uh, some more. Um, so what did we take out of our two most notable absentee players in Trengove and MP. How did they go in this game? Did you have a look by any chance? Pretty much exactly the same way as they went for us. Yeah. Which, which you, it stands to reason because it's only been in one preseason. So if they're going to improve or go better, you think it will take a little bit longer to adapt to the other team's game plan. You know what I mean? So, mm. but yeah. Nah, there's no, there's nothing really loss there uh i mean i'll be respectful to jackson because uh you know he gave his heart and soul to the club but i guess jarman impey and i know jarman impey had emotional issues here but at the same time i just feel like sometimes he didn't really commit as much as he could from the outside looking in um do you think jarman has got it in him to you know for us to maybe uh have regrets of letting him go or do you think he's going to be the Jarman that we know? He's definitely got it in him, but whether he finds that or not is the other thing and whether Clarkson can get that out of him. You know, I mean, there were times when he was here, like I know he made mistakes and stuff and everyone goes down on him for that. But when he was on, he was like something else. You know, some of the goals that he kicked and some of the, like, uh, just the general play, you know, he was good. So if Clarkson can draw that out of him on a consistent basis, then yes, he will. But I've got my doubts that he'll be able to because I think he just doesn't have that in him. Yeah, I guess we get it. We can be attracted to Jarman based on his accelerating speed that he, uh, or, uh, that he can show. But, yeah, I don't know, a lot of lot of lack of substance but I guess if he can get 20 goals and average between 15 and uh, 20 disposals and I see Porsche's throwing the unicorn out again I guess <laughs> I guess um, I guess he'll uh, he'll be uh, he'll be happier Hawthorne because I'm sure they'll be ecstatic with uh, you know 15 or 20 disposals and a, and a goal a game average so uh, let's see so we also had Sydney defeat Brisbane pretty easily predictable 55 points 95 to 40 and I guess, lastly, Stuart Jewett, his first game as of as coach, minus Selwood, Dangerfield, and Ablett, uh, spanked um, Geelong, the Gold Coast, 85 to 29. So uh, it's a good start for Stewie Jew. Yes, and it just goes to show what a dinosaur Rodney Ede was and what playing modern football can do. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't cut. That doesn't cut it for me though, because doesn't it? Just, just because he's just because he's uh, like been in the system for a long time, doesn't mean you can't adjust. I mean, it doesn't excuse being naive, right? No, it doesn't. I'm not saying it excuse. Like, I'm not saying he could have been like that, but he was stuck in his ways. He basically said, "This is the way I think the game should be played. It's like this," and he didn't want to get with the program and get with the times, and he couldn't relate to his players. Mm. You know, whereas Stuart Jew, he can relate to his players and he can get them playing. He got he got that team playing for him in one preseason, whereas the first two teams didn't want to do it. Do you think the Sydney coaching has been poached as hard as what it should be? The coaching uh, panel, the fringe coaching panel. I mean, from the outside, well, I mean, what, what have they? Uh, what have they? What have they lost? They've lost Tudor in recent times. Tudor, Franco, Jew. Yeah, Franco wasn't there for too long. Three uh, years? Yeah. Still, yeah, I think. They've been pretty... St- I, from me, my perspective, I feel like they've been pretty stable. You know, I guess I'm comparing to Port, where we just got pulled apart when we won the 2004 Grand Final. Everyone everyone just sort of fleed like mice from a sinking ship for some reason. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. The more, the more intellectual property that's ripped out of those coaching departments, them and Hawthorne, I think the the better and more even the competition becomes. So, uh, but yeah, but good on June, yeah. and and let's see where he takes 
Gold Coast. I don't think they'll make the eight this year, but they could be an improver. And uh, he'd had a grand final in the 90s and didn't change from then. Yeah, you're probably right with that Porsche. And uh, and Windy Runner reckons that uh, Impy started on a ha- like a house on fire, but then faded out in true form for Jars. Um, Roach has come out with a rumour that Port's going to sign a sponsor very soon. I don't think he's alluding to Cafe Pacific signing on as a premier partner, which is a win. Um, But there's been no real um, leakage, so to speak, of who this sponsor is. We've had our ambassador come out and say he knows, and someone's saying that uh, you might have some inside knowledge on this due to your work connections and affiliations. Is this true, Janus? Are you holding out on us? I was actually considering messaging someone and saying, hi, can you tell me what the new major sponsor is? But I thought against it because, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. When it comes out, it comes out. You know, it's not, uh, I think the club is working really hard behind the scenes to get it done. I do know that uh, there's a few options that like just didn't turn out for whatever reason. Mm. But, I think the reason why it's taking so long is because we're not settling anymore. We're actually saying our our product has value and you're going to come up and meet the value that we put on it. And it's more than what Renault paid. I guess what's a concern for me is the fact that at the AGM, because we were both there, well, you were there, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We met yeah, there. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. The, um, you know, they came out. And it wasn't really convincing to me when Keith Thomas spoke about the sponsor and said, look, we're in negotiations and we're hoping to have something sorted in the next week. And then when that next week passed and nothing happened, it was sort of like, to me, it was a little alarm bell, like, okay, well, this is going to be tougher than what we were were thinking. So, um, you know, but you're right. I guess you've got to have value on your brand. And, yeah. you know, there's there's no reason why we need to do like a, a soaring securities deal and or, you know, go to a, a business like New Vision and go, OK, well, let's uh, I'll give you the prime spot for 10 grand because we just need somebody. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's a game of poker. And, uh, you know, I'd imagine, you know, I don't even know what they, they would be taking, but I would imagine it would be in the range between 500,000 and a million bucks. That's, you know, I've got no knowledge of this at all. I'm just sort of guessing. Well, um, Rucci, Rucci was saying it was 1.5 million right, a well, year. So, yeah, because he said three times the norm or something, didn't he? That's, yeah, yeah. So that's so. 500,000 for Renault. So that's, yeah, 1.5. Yeah. And that would be pretty good. I think uh, I've sort of read or heard, overheard maybe someone sort of, um, you know, intimating that it could have been maybe another like Chinese mining company or something. And, it might have been a little bit underwhelming. I don't know, but you know, if someone's willing to pay one hundred one point five million, sorry, um, yeah, I'll take it as long as long as it's not a, uh, I don't know, I'd probably take nearly anything now, even if it's a Pornhub or something. You know, who cares? One exactly. One half. As million. long as think as of the long children. As they pay the bills. <laughs> think of the children. They need beer too. Come on, <laughs> and we can only pour the taps if you know we get someone paying one and a half. Million. So I wanted to do something different tonight, seeing we're sort of in a lull week uh, without a game. So I had a topic for us, 10 players um, to be placed or misplaced in 2018 for us to have a chit-chat about. And then also we'll have a final quick discussion on Port v Crows on Saturday. Um, So what I'm talking about here is, are these players going to be lost in our very, very versatile system of being in a fixed position or are they going to be locked and loaded, um, set in stone in a certain position? And this was based on Brad Ebert coming out in his press conference this week and saying that, you know, he might not get as much midfield time this year because uh, there's new recruits, more depth for his spot. And uh, so he might be swung around. I think he'd be a good half center, uh, not center half forward, half forward flanker actually but um or maybe a halfback flanker running the line so here's a good one to start with janus do you think ebert is going to be placed or misplaced with our new team for 2018 misplaced i'm 
guessing that's what you mean. Like he's going to be versatile. Is that what you mean by misplaced? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. seasons gone by, he's pretty much been a permanent midfielder for us. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you know he's been eighty percent mid. Um, yeah, yeah. Nah, he'll he'll go all over the ground, yeah. wherever like, because he can run all day too. He probably will get like ninety percent game time if he plays that particular way and goes like forward and back and whatever, you know. So, yeah. that's my thing. He's just yeah, he will be like the Mister Fix It. Yeah, I guess the the only downside to that is that you know we've seen with especially key position players mm. that it can take a long time to adjust, and uh, you know sometimes people lose their 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 mojo without that continuity of playing in the same position week in week out. But I think I've seen with my opinion with Brad is that we've been heavy reliant on him in that inside mid role to a degree especially last year year and a half and he's fatigued quite a bit so i think yeah. it could be an advantage for you know having a rock cliff for robbie gray or wingard giving him some chop out and also creating a bit more versatility and creativity in there and i i'll be keen to hear porsche and uh windy runner and any other one anyone else that's on the chat uh hear what you guys think but um so yeah i would imagine ebert if he's not in the midfield he'd probably be what Half forward flank. Yeah, like a, he's got a pretty good. He's got a good mark on him, and he's got a good kick on him. So yeah, almost like a pseudo what... centre half forward, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, he's tall enough to do that. Like pretty much, he's going to become like a mid forward, like Chad Wingard did this year, but the other way around. You know mm-hmm. that sort of. Although you'd want him in the midfield more, like probably 80 percent of the time, because. Well, yeah, you were at the member convention. No, I didn't. I wasn't there. No. Okay. Well, in the member convention, they said that our best winning center bounce, I think, combination. I don't know if it was center bounce or stoppage, but it was Ebert, Wines, and Pow Pepper in there. You know, or Ebert and Wines or something like that. one of those combinations where it was all the big body mids was like, and it was ridiculous how much like twenty percent more than any other combination. You know, mm. so it's just he's definitely going to be in the midfield more than anywhere else. But because we've got Rockcliffe now, he gets that bit of a chop out. Mm. You know, so well, yeah. Porsche thinks he's going to be a bunny rabbit, and Windy Runner reckons he uh, might be on on the wing a bit more. And he, I could see him being a a winger. I remember when we started this show in 2013 um, when Envy Envy Ball. Tradition was uh, with us. He uh, he loved Ebert's line gut running. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, I guess Porsche's saying concern about Ebert half forward is our delivery inside fifty. So uh, I thought that's kicking, what I, I thought his kicking's got better in recent times, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um. No, it's definitely yeah, definitely a concern and stuff. But mm. you know. It's just it's just where you rest. Like, yeah, put him on the wing if he's got the if if he's got the tank to do it after being banged up in the middle for a bit, you know. Then yeah, but it's all depends. It's horses and courses, really, isn't it? Depends who you're playing and how hard it was. He might be our uh, go-to tagger this year again. Ah, oh, I think taggers are dead. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. What about Sam Power Pepper? Is that an easy one? Placed or misplaced? Mm, placed, but misplaced. <laughs> like really? he's, yeah, no, he's definitely always like midfield and stuff. But again, he had the second lowest time on ground of anybody in the league last year. Mm. You know, and that tells you that he just doesn't have the tank to go in the midfield all the time. So you're either going to burn a rotation on him, or you're going to place him up forward. And I would, I would rather get that as someone. I think it was um, Tribe or El Scorcher or someone said that they want. Oh, or it might have been Schulzenfest, might have been him. Um, they said that uh, they want him doing those sixty-meter roosts from half forward. You know, because he's got a good kick on him and he's a good kick for goal. So yeah, nah, like he could play up forward. You know. Mm-hmm. I reckon he'll be placed 
in the guts, predominantly. I think there'll be a little bit more um, time on ground for him this year. I mean, what was Ollie? Ollie was something ridiculous uh, in his first season, wasn't he? Like under sixty um, percent for time on ground, and then he he slowly went up and up and up. Um, you know that same big body player. You know he's going to take a bit of time, but I think his his place in the world is uh, in the middle. Um, but uh, Porsche's not sure where uh, Pep's role is this year, to be honest. She wants to see us with Rockcliffe and Wingard before calling uh, SPP. Um, yeah, I've got a view on that. We might challenge that one a little bit. But uh, speaking of which, Rockcliffe, placed or misplaced? Do you think his home is forward pocket, midfield, or he's going to be all over the shop? Uh Sorry, who was this? Rockcliffe. Rockcliffe. Um, predominantly midfield, deep forward. So 80% midfield, 20% forward, you reckon? Well, whatever Robbie Gray goes into the midfield, you can swap Rock, Rockcliffe for that. Yeah. So you those, those two swap. Do you think Gray, there's a place for Gray and Rockcliffe in the midfield for an extended period together? Uh, yes, in certain situations, yeah. Well, I think that was the difference for us last year. Obviously, Robbie was injured, and it was wasn't it a, a came out as an abductor injury in the end. Is that right? Uh yes. yes. So, but I I really think we, even though they're saying Ebert Pepper and Wines was our calling um, in the midfield, I, I really think we missed uh, Robbie Gray's creativity, and we needed more game time from him him in the middle, and I. I don't think we've moved on from that. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's my call uh, opinion, Porsche. I'd actually prefer more Robbie Gray in the midfield, over, even over Rockcliffe and Wingard. Um, he's just our premier on baller, and he's fantastic in the guts. Um, obviously, he's a ball winner and not necessarily accountable. So um, maybe uh, maybe we go with. Um, Maybe, maybe we look more at Robbie Gray, Rockcliffe, and uh, Wines as the starting midfield, and uh, and then swap Power Pepper and Wines potentially. I reckon do what you're talking about, but only for centre bounces. Yeah, that's because yeah. I, 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 yeah, that's is that what you mean? That's, yeah, yeah, starting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, because um, if you have it just in the centre, then he's not going to get banged up because that's where you need your big bodies. You know, in, when there's stoppages and there's lots of congestion and stuff, you need to get them in there and shovel it out. Whereas, mm. you know, whereas at a centre bounce, there's a lot of space. He can do his magic. He can do his thing, and he can get the ball deep into Dixon and into someone like Wingard. You know, so yeah. Now, the more clearance players, the better from centre bounce. Mm. So we're going with Rockcliffe place in the midfield. Uh, Potentially Sam Power Pepper placed in the... Well, I'm saying yes. You're saying maybe. Um, Robbie Gray, I'm saying I would like him placed in the midfield, but I think he might be displaced. I think I think there's going to be an attraction to keep Robbie more so forward mm-hmm. by the coaches. Did they talk yeah. about... Without disclosing anything, not that I'm sure competition actually listened to this show... I don't think we're that high profile, but did they talk about like Robbie Gray's position at all in the, at the convention or not really? All they said was we play a forward line that kind of looks like you got a deep forward, you got two forwards above him, and then you got three really high forwards. You know, so if Robbie Gray is going to play, he's going to play that deep role. You know what I mean? So it's either he's going to play there or he's going to play in midfield. There's no other place for him. And you might be right, but about we definitely miss his creativity, you know, and that guile and stuff that he's got. But the only thing, the problem that he has in our system is he's not really good defensively. Mm. Only, be, only because he's a bit like... He's quicker mind and he's quick with his feet and, you know, with his hands and stuff. But in terms of actual his speed, he's not really fast, you know? Mm-hmm. And because he's had the adductor injury and stuff, I mean, maybe he was only put up there, like you said, because of the adductor. 
you know, and that that was only like they try and nurse him through the season basically down at deep forward, and that's why Wingard's going back there now, which would be awesome. But you know, we'll see. Well, Wingard might be the next one we talk about. Um, is he going to be placed permanently midfield or forward, or is he going to be misplaced and sort of yeah all over the shop? Uh, I reckon he'll be a mid forward. So he'll start forward, and I reckon he'll spend like he went fifty fifty this year. I reckon he'll be like seventy thirty, mm. probably or sixty forty. So he'll still be classified as a mid forward, but he'll spend more time up forward because I reckon our ball movement is going to be better. So therefore, he won't get the chance to go into the midfield as much. Yeah, I mean, look, people think the evolution of Chad Wingard is going into the midfield um, with his creativity, and he had a few breakout games. Um, but I guess he sort of worked his way in the zone, and with those 30-plus possession games, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was cheap stats or, you know, it just didn't seem the inf- as influential as Chad permanently up forward, you know, maybe with twenty low 20s but kicking multiple goals. I think for from history, I think there's been more value with Chad in that position compared to midfield. Um, and especially now that we've got, you know, Robbie Gray, um, Oliver Wine, Sam Powell Pepper, Brad Eber, Rockcliffe, and, you know, and the list goes on, uh, Pollock uh, for midfielders. Um, you know, I think we've got the luxury now to maybe put Chad in that role and, and leave him there. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping that he's placed permanently... Um, in the forward pocket next to Dixon, you know, so hoping for 70% game time there and maybe 30% up in the mid- midfield. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, like definitely what you're talking about. I mean, the whole point of doing dual position things is so you don't use a waste of rotation on the bench, you know? So instead of going from four, like you got your midfielder, like a Rockcliffe or something like that, Instead of coming off the ground, he goes up forward and Wingard goes in the middle, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're not burning, you're, you're basically switching on the ground and you can rest forward, basically, is what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely 70 30 is better because he's a really good forward, like an elite forward. He won two All Australians as a forward, you know? So he's got the skills and more so than anybody else in the in the team, basically, other than, you know, your main, like, Dixon or other people like that. But, yeah, no, definitely what you're saying. 70% board placed. So what about our captain, Travis Homeless Boke? <laughs> you know, he's sort of been punted out of the midfield, our prime midfielder, um, more of a half-forward flanker. I mean, how many half-forward flankers do we have? I mean, where is it for Chad? Um, Chad, Travis, sorry, I'm getting tired, been up since five in the morning. Um, I'm personally thinking he's going to be misplaced um, and maybe even more this year, this year with our new additions even compared to 2017. Um, what are your thoughts? Placed as a high-forward. Wow, that's it. That's- Siri just decided to turn itself on on my phone. So, um, oh, thanks, thanks for your input, Siri. But we, we don't need you at the moment, do we? Okay, great. Anyway, so keep going. Leave me alone. Stop it. Shut up. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I think he's going to be placed in the same role that he played this year, in 2017, and that's that high forward. You know, link up, run the run the lines from arc to arc and provide that option and just those repeat sprints and stuff that he does. Like, apparently he spent 44% of his time in midfield, you know, so he still was in there, still winning clearances and stuff and doing that sort of thing. But, yeah, nah, he'll play that particular role because it's important for us. A little bit off topic, but I noticed um, I sort of had a little bit of a swipe at Foss last week. Uh, I noticed Triby intimated that... um, Aranga should be shot into space if uh, they can't get he can't get the um, midfield, that midfield to work. Yeah, midfield to work. I mean, we're spoiled for riches, really, with names on paper here. But you know, I mean, you got Wingard, you got Gray, you got 
Boke, you got Rockcliffe, you got Wines, you got Pepper, you got Ebert, you got Pollock. I mean, it's a bloody good midfield. I'm sure I've probably missed a couple of people. You know, and you've even got Hamish Hartlett that can pinch hit in there as well if uh, need to. So, um, no, it wouldn't be Port Fan Radio without Rick's um, phone playing up, even though, even though I'm using the computer tonight. So, yeah, I mean, I think the heat's on, uh, Voss, really. Uh, you know, well... Ryder, an all-Australian player. I mean, there's really no excuses with this midfield. Yeah, I'll go one step further and say that if he can't, like, this midfield, not the starting midfield, now, obviously, Ablett, Dangerfield, and Selwood is better, right, in terms of their skill and talent and things, but across the whole entire list and how many people we can rotate there through the midfield, if Voss can't get that firing, right, at all, I mean, that's like the potential to be one of the best, the best, simply because you've got so many people who can go through there, mm. you know? And if he can't get that working, then yeah, he's got to go. He just has to. Yeah, I think so. I thought he was on a four-year deal, but people are intimating that he might have been on a five-year deal. So, um, but look, well, I, w- I want him to be successful. So fingers crossed will, he smashes it this year anyway. I will say that at that member convention, I was really impressed with him in terms of how he explained why we do the things we do. And he knows what he's talking about, but maybe the issue is getting it across to the players and getting them to understand it. Maybe he can't teach them very well. I don't yeah. know. But, well, sometimes, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes people make things overcomplicated. Um, you know, and, uh, and or sometimes they just can't articulate clearly the instructions that they want to get through. And I guess... How how long do you do we blame blame the players for not adhering to the structures that are being set before we go? Well, okay, well maybe it's the person giving the instructions that's actually partly responsible here as well. Because I mean, it's a repeat theme, and I, I've thought that our midfield's underperformed for quite some time. So, like I said, I, I hope uh, you know I hope that Voss excels and uh, it proves me wrong. But I think. Uh, we must be on to something because Porsche's agreeing with us on Michael Voss. Sam Gray, <laughs> misplaced where he might not even be in the starting 22 or he's placed and is doing his forward pocket roll? Um, I'm hoping misplaced. I'm hoping he's not 22 because even though he might be classified as an elite player and all that sort of stuff, and he does really hard running things and stuff, Mm-hmm. If he if he's misplaced, it means that someone's doing those things that he's doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the only reason why he's good in our team at the moment is because he puts in the effort. Mm-hmm. He's good at his defensive efforts and stuff, and he's good at his running and stuff. But if someone else can take his role and do it just as good, you know, there are people who can be better players and are more skillful players who can do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. Like... Um, I'm with Porsche. I think Gray's in trouble. I think he's going to be misplaced out of the side. And I'm with you. I hope he is. I hope he's sort of our legacy trier that we've been able to fit in the side, like you know, like the Tom Logan before him and the Cam O'Shea. Um, you know, and if we can force, um, if we can force Sam Gray that sort of player out, um, you know, well then I think we're going to be better for it. Um, he's He's the sort of player who is like player number 25 or something like yeah. that in a, in a premiership team, you know? Like, that's if you want to be a premiership team, you cannot have a player like Sam Gray in your best 22. No, that's right. And, you know, yeah. the, he's just that sort of player. So hopefully yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, you it's need not, that 25th not, to 26th player. Exactly. You need him, and it's not disparaging, like, in terms of his effort and what he's like. There's just a ceiling to some people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's just his ceiling. That's as high as he's going to get. You know, and like he's a great midfielder. Like he got when he got those forty possessions and stuff. But he got those things when no one knew too much about him, and that he was actually a midfielder. You know, like when he was racking up the most possessions against teams and stuff. And then yeah, people that's put because the they were confused. They thought that there was a Hobbit from Lord of the Rings playing, and they, Ex- were, it, they were laughing. Exactly. Like, no, exactly. Well, they, yeah, they didn't have, they didn't do the scouting or anything like that. You know, so, but someone again, this is the other thing. If for someone like a Sam Gray is playing, like, say someone's injured, 
he's got the ability to go from the forward pocket into the midfield and get you like a quick fire 10 possessions or whatever it is against the third string rotation. You know, like he's pretty good, mm. but he's just not starting midfield good. He's not second rotation good or anything like that. He's just, you know what I mean? So, but like I said, I hope he's not in the team because we've got better options than him. Right. And if he's in the team, it just means that someone's either injured or the, their form shit. We've spoken too much about Frodo already. Let's move on to Jared <laughs> Pollock. Um, Rumour is that he might be even playing against the Crows this weekend. He's uh, looking pretty good. Um, is he going to be placed on the wing as per normal? Or is Jared versatile enough to be misplaced all over the place in 2018? I'm going as a full-time winger myself. Yeah, placed. Winger. Easy. And we really yep. need Jared. Jared's almost a barometer for us. If he if he's getting mid twenty possessions and running and not doing high tackles on the siren, um, he's a match winner and lethal player for us and the team and we need his uh, more accurate delivery inside fifty and I'm sure uh, Charlie Dixon would be looking to him doing that more often this year. Actually, just what you just said just then, apparently according to the AFL prospectus, his delivery inside fifty wasn't actually that good. No, and I think it's been, though, since his foot injury. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm hoping now with time to recover um, that, yeah, he, uh, he's he got a little bit more feel and a little bit more accuracy because you don't know how many yeah. jabs he's been getting either. Um, that makes sense. So uh, I'd be hoping that, uh, yeah, um, he comes back to that sort of form because, yeah, you're right. It hasn't been as good as what it was in, say, 14 and 15, but we'll see. What about um, our new recruit, Jack Watts? Placed at centre-half forward, or is he going to be misplaced all over the place? Uh, Placed? Centre-half forward? Uh, Yeah, roaming centre-half forward. Roaming centre-half forward, yeah. Yeah, like think like Tom Lynch from the Crows, that sort of thing. Oh, do I have to think about Tom Lynch? You want to make me visualise that? You know, just the, the way he plays. I had to punt a ranger from the show this year in Macca, and now uh, and now you're making me think of another ranger. I've got I've got a bit of a ranger phobia. That's why I don't even call out Dylan's name anymore for that reason. And now you now you got me thinking about Tom Lynch. <laughs> yeah, look, I think he's going to be that. I think he's either going to be that decoy forward. Um, or he's going to be the legitimate forward. So if that makes sense, I mean, I'm sort of hedging my bets there a little bit. But I think, yeah, we're going to have two strategies where, you know, Watts and Westhoff are probably going to feed off of each other as a decoy and not. Um, You know, but at the same time, I hope, you know, with all this versatility, I just hope we're not too clever for our own boots. Um, Yeah, and I think players like stability and security and in their position. So, um Otherwise, you know, it can become difficult. And we all know that sometimes footballers aren't the smartest going around. So simple game plans are generally the better game plans. Mm -hmm. What about Todd Marshall? Your man, your bolter from the blue. (laughs) Bolter, I hope, goes from the blue. Um, Yeah. What's what's going to happen with Toddy? I reckon if he plays, he's going to go pretty much... Ford, I know they did try him on the wing in the SNFL for a bit last year. You know, whether that actually works or not, I don't know. But yeah, nah. If he plays, he's going to be in the forward line. So that's going to be the pace, I guess. I think so. I mean, what are are we going to do? Play him on the wing? I I doubt it. And are we going to play him back? Well, I doubt that too. We'll... Hopefully we've got Howard back there for the height and, and Westhoff dropping back because obviously Westhoff ain't going to get dropped in a hurry. So, um, yeah, so he should be a forward pocket foil for, for Dixon and Dicko leads one way and uh, if they don't kick to him, they're kicking to Todd and hopefully he's taking some marks and uh, kicking some snags. Uh, I guess the challenging question is how many games uh, do you guys think uh, listening or you, Janus, that Marshall's going to get, I'm going to say maybe 11 or 12 minor yeah. round games. I reckon, yeah, 10, 10, 11, something like that. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, if you go through Ken Hinckley's history, he's got a bit of a, a standard or an MO that he does. He'll play like a debut player for like a game. And mm-hmm. then the next season, if they do what he wants them to, he'll play them like 10 games and then mm. say, okay, go back to the SNFL and work on the rest of the stuff, mm. you know? But so yeah, 10, 11 games. I reckon that's what he is. And against weaker, like when Robbie Gray got suspended round one, I'm hoping they bring it, they put Tom Marshall in rather mm. than anyone else. But you know, who knows? We'll soon see. So yeah. a couple of questions for us. Uh, Bigfoot user at Schultzen Fest wants to know why you, Ken Hinckley, made up the name Janus for your Bigfooty account and why do you spend so much time defending your game plan on Bigfooty when you should be on the track working it out with the players? Hmm. You don't sound like Kenny. <laughs> no, I'm not Ken Hinckley. But I would say that if I was Ken Hinckley and I was going to post on Bigfooty, you don't work with the players after five o'clock, so you could he could still be posting on this forum, and you wouldn't know. Well, that's very true. Uh, yeah. The FVK, my cue for Janus. A few of your posts, it's clear you have some involvement in the China strategy through your own personal business interests. What are you you're holding out on us, Janus? Can you expand <laughs> more on this and how you see the club's China strategy evolving over the next couple of years? Really. Where has this come from? No, that's just the China Power Club thing. Oh, right. right. That's what he's talking about. But I did learn a bit from the inside what the club's trying to do with that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're trying to be like a a bridge between China and Australia. So in terms of business interests and stuff. So Mm -hmm. if you want to do business in China, you go through, instead of going through Austrade, you go through China Power Club. Or alternatively, you go through both of them. So it's kind of like a, well, you know how you get like groups like Better Business Bureau or something like that, that sort of thing, you know, where you got people who are like-minded who mm. want to do the same thing. That's what it's basically. I just want, the, Ch- I just want the Chinese money. They can, yeah, invest, well that's, they can invest in my business. Come on down. Well, that's, well, that's the whole thing, you know, like yeah. you, that's what they try and set up and stuff now. Whether it comes off or not depends on who they get and who they're listening to in terms of advice and stuff like that. But I think they're on to a winner because of just the, the way it's like improving, even at the start from when I joined to to now, mm-hmm. you know. So, but yeah, no, it's it's a good it's a good thing. Now we get to the R-rated section. Um, fisting Rick versus Anus. Bomber Clifford wants to know, can there ever be a winner in that combination? Well, clearly, that would be Fisting Rick. Um, and, uh, yeah, I won't, go, I won't go into any of that uh, other stuff that was discussed. Um, and very briefly, I'll try and um, summarise this post. Uh, basically, Robbie Gray Jr. Jr. wanted to know, he re- he's a soccer fan and, um, and he reads your posts on the board and about the defence-minded mentality first. Um, can you explain what is it about our game plan and the Crows' game plan that differs as they seem to be so much more efficient and effective than we are going forward? And their defence is good, and they always have numbers around the ball, uh, despite me and a lot of others being of the opinion that our lists match up pretty well against each other. Um, in other words, should go into the games against the Crows and the other top eight teams expecting to have a shootout and hoping we can manage to outscore them? Or do we simply try to defend their ability to score? Well, I'll let me say my answer and then you can add, add on to that because you'll probably go a little bit more detailed. But remember, we're getting close to nine. Um, yeah. Okay. I think my observation is that I believe the Crows are a bit more well-drilled than what Port Adelaide is, first and foremost. And and I guess that comes back a little bit to uh, you know what we were saying about Michael Voss. Um, and I think the other thing is that my observation that the Crows hit that target up a lot more often 75, 80 metres out from goal, which then allows them to drive the ball um, to that dangerous hotspot location more often um, and isolating their key players more often than what we do. And we seem to be a little bit silly with the ball 
and then panic and just bomb it long to outnumbered um, forwards too often. That's that's a very quick summary of my thoughts. Yeah, that's right. That's true. I guess um, Adelaide is definitely definitely more well drilled. You know, they've got their system and they are really good at sticking to their system, whereas we're not that way yet. I don't know how close. And their system is very regimented too. Mm -hmm. Like its whole success is based on the fact that they'll hit a kick and they'll know that a player will be there without even looking because that's what the game plan says. Like if you're in this position, there will be a player to your 45 on that diagonal kick. So you don't have to think about it. You just kick it. And, they'll, and that's what they'll get. And that's how they move the ball quick and transition and stuff. The problem is, is that, and why we need to focus on defense versus them, and why when we play it and it breaks down and we lose by like 84 points, is because we don't have key backs, right? Like the tall key backs to deal with their forwards, their tall forwards, like Walker and thing. Like now we've got Dougal Howard, and he'll be good, but... He's still like a first, well, now he's a second year, third year player, you know, and he hasn't played that much. So guys like Walker and Jenkins and Lynch would probably go him a bit. Do you know what I mean? If you Mm. try to play a standard structure like the Crows do. So the reason why we play our structure is because it basically hides the fact that we don't really have good defenders. So everyone defends, Mm. you know? So and I, I guess a lot of fans were frustrated, especially in the Crows games, how they seemed to have extra numbers at the ball and we allowed it. And then they were able to pull apart our zone that we were sitting deep with. Um, and again, that was, I think, because they were hitting those targets 85 out and then able to sort of navigate through that zone, which made that extra on-baller very frustrating. And so I think in the second showdown, it was Atkins that, really tore us in. was it Atkins or Laird that really was that loose player around the pack and just tore us a new one and it made me want to vomit excessively yeah 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 but anyway um one of my fan favorites I'm sure he isn't um Finbar reckons that he's amazed that Fishing Rick wasn't successful with his run for the board after my Fisting Rick versus Anus joke but I guess <laughs> Seeing I didn't make the board, I can continue on with those jokes, can't I? Because it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, Mick59 hopes that I was being sarcastic about Married at First Sight and missing out on it. It's a great reality show. I love it. It's an awesome show. Do you watch it at all? I did the last two weeks because I've been, I've been away over at your peninsula and... That was all that was on. Oh, don't, I gotta... <laughs> don't try to justify. Just say I'm a fan. There's nothing wrong with just admitting a... you're a fan. <laughs> and if you are, who would which which character of that reality show would you be? Would you be Dean or would you be Troy? Um, would you be the boring uh, business guy, Justin? Uh, the old man, say... John. Can't say I'd be any of them. Really? Sorry. I, yeah, could, no. I could see you being a wannabe Dean, bit of a player, one of the hit the girls <laughs> no, no. And, and, and cycle through them a little bit. Um, no. And just quickly before we go, as we hit the nine o'clock mark, Port's playing the Crows at the home of Albert and Oval. I guess I haven't really focused on it because this isn't a preview show and uh, there's no teams, no nothing. So we don't really know what the hell's going on yet. Apparently Pollock might be playing. We know Rockcliffe's probably going to be rested with his knee injury. Um, you know, I think that's smart player management. Um, Porsche's vomiting at uh, Married at First Sight. Come on, Porsche. I bet you, you love it. I'm sure you love a bit of drama. Um, so I guess, end of the day, you know, some supporters are really, really wanting us to win at all costs. Others are treating it as a preseason game and who gives a crap. Um, you know, what are you hoping to see out of this um, Port Crows? Uh, pre-season trial and should Port and Crows be playing a pre-season game against each other? Uh, I'm hoping for a win. That's what I. That's all I want. You know, a good win. Um, and why should they should they be playing each other? Probably not. I understand why it's done, and the showdowns like later on in the year now. 
so that's okay. But yeah, I've... it is being played at Alberton though, so that's a good thing. I think that's the ultimate, isn't it? If you're going to have a preseason game with the Crows, making them play at Alvin Noble is the biggest kick in the guts, isn't it? You know, making making them go there and none of their supporters, all the old SANFL um, trudges, they're not going to make their way down at Alvin. They're going to go, Puh. you know, you might get the old diehard with their apricot slice, but, you know, most of them are going to stay away. They're not going to want to support the Port Adelaide Football Club. So, um yeah, if, they, if we're going to have to play, making them go to Alberton, I think, is a, a good result. And I, I don't really care. I guess I just want to see a little bit more um, finesse in our strategy. Cleaner, we're, our disposal against West Coast was pretty horrendous. So if we can have a bit neater um, disposal after an extra two weeks of training, um, you know, maybe see some alternate um, kick-in strategies. And as you just pointed out, I think it'd be exciting to see Howard playing in defence full time against uh, you know an experienced uh, Crow side and see how he goes against some of those bigger players um, and even if Marshall plays because um, he didn't play the first week, did he, Marshall? Uh no, no, he was injured apparently with a yeah. calf or something. Yeah. So hopefully he's not injured. It'd be nice to see him getting a run around as well. And um, yeah, you know who knows? Uh, but I I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to take too much out of preseason games, isn't it? I mean, they are trial games, so um, yeah. Delivery inside forward, maybe a bit, a little bit more efficient. Exiting our defence, maybe a little bit more efficient. And uh, you know, some of those young players, you know, um, uh, mental blank. Don Barry showing his run again. I reckon if he has another cracker of a game, I think he's in the starting twenty-two for round one. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd rather Barry over Need. Well, a bit controversial. I'd actually rather Barry over um, Darcy Byrne-Jones at the moment. Oh, yeah. I thought Darcy's form was pretty average last year for him compared to his previous year. Um, you know, his disposal was very panicked and he you know, he tried. He was a trier. but uh, And I love Darcy. I think he's got a lot of potential. But um, I didn't think he showed a lot of run. And uh, I think Jasper's probably ahead of him. Houston's definitely ahead of him as well. And I think Barry showed a lot more run and courage, and even Bonner's probably passed him a little bit too. So I think Darcy could be in a, in trouble for a spot for a while, especially seeing Hamish is back there too. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean... So, yep. Um, Bonner, do you think he's going to be best 22? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm, oh, just, okay. I, I'm just saying I think Bonner's maybe... he's. If he hasn't overtaken um, uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones, I think he's going. He's pushing hard to get close. If, I think if Darcy keeps serving up uh, a couple of poor performances, uh, yeah, I think uh, Bonner will probably get an opportunity pretty quick. Uh, yeah, Bonner's not... I like Bonner. I like what he brings offensively and stuff, but he's not very good at defending at the moment, yeah. unfortunately. I think Laddams will probably drop out of this game. Uh, Porsche just asked... Is, uh, any chance Frampton playing? Uh, they might give Frampton a run for for Laddams, swap him over. But I guess Marshall didn't play either, so you'd imagine probably if Marshall came in, Frampton and Laddams, I'll probably I would imagine would both probably sit out. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I can't see them playing Marshall, all the other tall players, and Frampton. Um, I think we might be too tall, but I guess you have got twenty six players, so I guess they can bring in, uh, you know. Marshall and Phantom for the trial game, and then uh, one or both might drop out from the starting twenty-two. It's exciting. We're not far away. When it, when's the first game for us? Twenty-eighth of March. Yep, something like that. It sounds. It's exciting. Sounds right. I'll be watching it remotely from uh, the mighty US of A. So, uh, and uh, I'll be doing the radio show at some ridiculous time in America, like five o'clock in the morning. So. Uh, if uh, if anyone thinks I'm a bit flaky and a bit unreliable, screw you because uh, <laughs> I'll be I'll be in the states doing a radio show at some ridiculous time. So, uh, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, we'll probably get you on again very soon, Janus. I, I thank your uh, contribution and uh, hope you had fun and uh, enjoyed your insights. Thank you for having me. And uh, I haven't forgotten about your. Next blog piece for Port Fan Radio. I'll get that up soon as well. I've just been flat chat. No worries.
All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Thanks, Janus. And uh, I think we've got the uh, Wednesday night show show with Matt Sullivan um, coming up and the Albert and Front Bar. They've been rocking and rolling with some booze and radio um, as well. And uh, Porsche will be back in a few weeks' time, I would imagine. So uh, we look forward to that as well. So thanks, everyone, and we'll uh, see you soon. See you later. Punched away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two or two. Bergwijn almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Brilliant goal. What a classic. Roger James gets his second.